Dancy Lagarde fans, you will be thrilled to know a book is coming out if you fund it. Via Unbound, we are publishing The Dancy Lagarde Reader by Alice Fraser and Dancy Lagarde, a glorious insight into the world of Dancy Lagarde, self-published romance maven and online bestseller. If you would like to find out how to support it, go to thebuglepodcast.com. If we get enough support, we will publish the book. That's a real thing that's going to happen. Thebuglepodcast.com to support The Dancy Lagarde Reader. The Bugle presents The Last Post with Alice Fraser. Hello, posters, and welcome to The Last Post, the final word in this, the most final of worlds. Today's episode is episode 248 of this year, marking the 4th of September of the year 2020. And on this day in history, in 1833, the first ever newsboy was hired. Barney Flaherty, a 10-year-old man in New York, he was hired by the New York Sun. A beautiful moment in cheeky, charming child labour. And in 1884, on this day, Britain ended its policy of penal transportation to New South Wales in Australia, depriving us, the Australian people, of many a romantic criminal to whip to death, building the bones of Sydney City. Head on down to the wharves and walk down the Blood Mile, a gorgeous sandstone cut that was hewn by hand and is a lovely reminder of the 180-degree nightmare-inducing origins of our modern nation. And in 1888, on this day... George Eastman patented the first roll film camera and registered Kodak as a trademark, a pivotal step in the selfie culture of today. Don't forget, more people die from Instagram than from sharks. Let it be said of anyone who dies taking a selfie that at least he died pretending to do what he loved. Your guest today on the podcast is a returning favourite, time doctor and hands-on historian Matt Kirshen. Matt, it feels like you were here just yesterday, or was it tomorrow? Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Alice. It was both and neither. (laughs) Coming up today, you'll be bringing us our top story, Arts in Crisis News. But first, some headlines of stories we won't have time for. In the news today, debates about minimum wage rage on in America despite the entire economy collapsing in all directions. Because if you can't argue about how much money you shouldn't be paying the employees you're itching to replace with robots, how can you even call yourself a bloated blutocrat? Isn't it actually more insulting to pay someone a minimum wage that they can afford to feed their children with than to have them work for free while sucking at the milky teat of a rhetorical belief in forward momentum to a Trumpian future? Do you even want a job if you don't want to work for free? Have you ever thought that working for tips is just charity by c**ts who can refuse to give it to you if they don't like your smile? And let's be honest, you've got a shitty smile because you can't afford teeth in your goddamn mess of a country. European countries have suggested that if you can't afford to pay your employees, then you shouldn't have employees. If you can't run an economy on businesses that can afford to pay their employees, your economy is a lie, and if you're paying your employees in hopes for some sort of amorphous future advancement, you're not a business, you're a religion. Uh, Where do you stand on minimum wage, Matt? I stand one cent above it, just so I can lord it over anyone who is on minimum wage. (laughs) That's my requirement for any work. Oh, we're overpaying you vastly. (laughs) You sure are. But I guess, you know, you can always just travel back to the past where money was worth more. That's a real advantage. Uh, Unfortunately, they also don't recognize my notes or Bitcoin. But, you know, we make do. I can still wow them with a cigarette lighter. (laughs) There was a period where you insisted on being paid in handfuls of salt. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been through all the different payments. Uh, Salt, spices, leather, (laughs) humans, animals... 
<laughs> leather humans, leather animals. Meanwhile, Apple Computers is now worth $2 trillion. I don't really understand what a trillion is. In my head, it's sort of an undersea mollusk type thing. But I do know that $2 trillion, however much it is, is not a morally neutral number. It's either very good or very bad. There's no way $2 trillion is just an amount. Like a tattoo on your penis is never just art. It's either a strong statement of your internal value system or a terrible accident that will be incredibly painful to correct. Apple Computers has announced that they will celebrate their company being worth $2 trillion by firing 43,000 iPhones into the sun while launching an app that automates flipping the bird at poor people, <laughs> synthesizing the metaphysical theory behind a Tibetan prayer wheel and the user interface of the Atari ET game. The new app will be called Suck It and will match single billionaires with the approximately 3 million poor people each that they're deliberately choosing not to raise above the poverty line every hour of every day. Well done to Apple there. And that's all the time we have for our news stories that we don't have time for, because now it's time for your ads. Your ad section now, because you can't be what you can't buy. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Neighbour, the first crowdsourced reality TV show. Neighbour is just where everyone watches their neighbours in a creepy way. Reality TV times a thousand, where you just become <laughs> self-aware. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the heartwarming horror hit of the season, a coming-of-age story based on the tale of two men finding out they're one man. It's Jekyll and Hyde meets Breakfast Club. It's Fight Club, spoiler alert, meets She's All That. It's Dead Poets Society meets Shazam. Edward Norton and Jojo Siwa in One Bloody Summer. Maybe the murderer was inside them all along. And if you've ever been a small squid in need of a home, try half a glass of water. Half a glass of water in the vastness of the ocean, every squid's half glass is his home. That's all the time we have for your ad section today. The last post. Now it's time for your top story. Top story today. Uh, brought to you by our beautiful guest, Matt Kirshen, is Arts in Crisis. Matt, you're an artist in crisis. What's what's happening in the world of arts right now? Well, um, I don't know if you've noticed, Alice, but there's a pandemic going on right now. And You are? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people pointed out at the beginning of the pandemic in the arts world that Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the plague. And I let that personally inspire me. So, you know, I'm a writer myself. I got down to it. I spent four Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Not solidly writing. And then I found out no one cares about the second man to write King Lear. <laughs> yeah, if you hand in something that's basically King Lear. I mean, the only difference is, of course, that it uh, doesn't have the car chase in my version. Because I'm an artist. I'm not one of those Hollywood sellouts like Billy S. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I will say the big advantage of being a time scientist is I was able to go back with my King Lear to give Shakespeare a piece of my mind. And the Nintendo Switch to keep him distracted through the plague, so I would be the only King Lear writer <laughs> in history, which nearly worked. He was thoroughly distracted, but I accidentally left behind a copy of my King Lear, <laughs> minus the car chase. And you know what? You know what Willie's like with a bit of writing. 
light-fingered as anything. Turns out people do care about the second man who writes King Lear. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Or also the first one. It's, it's a bit of a paradox, really, because I was, to be fair, copying him, but then he was copying me, and who knows who the original writer was. But there's your answer to who wrote Shakespeare's plays. Did he write them? Yes and no. And yes. <laughs> And also, no. I will say this, by the way, while we're talking about this, Alice, because this has been a bugbear of mine for a while, this whole... I, I did some little research. Sorry, just to, to, to distract you for a second. With a bugbear, is it a bug or is it a bear? I've always wondered. You're the doctor. Oh, it's, it's actually neither. It's the same way that a seahorse is neither horse nor sea. Good. <laughs> Carry on. A bugbear is actually a type of fish. <laughs> as far as I can tell by both reading Wikipedia and hanging out during Shakespeare's time. The main argument for Shakespeare not having written Shakespeare's plays is that his parents weren't educated and therefore he can't be expected to have been that educated and to know how to write as well as he wrote and know about history that he included in his plays. But here's the deal, Alice. Here's the thing. A lot of people have managed to be more educated than their parents. I'm not saying it's easy to step outside of your social class or your upbringing or your strata, but many people through history have managed to do it. Only one person in history has managed to write the complete works of Shakespeare. I'd argue that's a more difficult task. And if you've got a brain that's able to write the complete works of Shakespeare, you might be able to learn a bit of pub quiz level history trivia. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just suggesting it's just... You can't be Shakespeare. Your parents weren't Shakespeare. It's the more impressive feat. It's like if someone went, hey, look, you've got to check out this circus, right? There's a guy and he, he balances a leopard on his head and he juggles three children out of the audience, but in such a way that they never come near the mouth of the leopard. <laughs> but get this, he does the whole thing with a slightly dodgy knee. And you're like, no way could someone with a dodgy knee do that. I don't believe it for a second. I bet someone with two good knees is actually doing the juggling and dodgy knee guy is taking all the credit. <laughs> You're very right there. That's all the time we have for your top story right now because now it's time for your letters to the editor. Your letters to the editor now. And remember, you can send a letter to the editor by writing to us at the last post at somethingelse.com. Dear Alice and Guest... The U.S. Constitution says the president must be a natural-born citizen at least 35 years of age who has been a resident of the United States for at least 14 years. Given that Bob the Sentient Trash Island was created in international waters as a libertarian tax haven and has never been to the United States, how can he run for president? Isn't this really part of a plan by Donald Trump when he unleashes an October surprise by challenging Bob's candidacy in the courts after it's too late for the Democrats to select another nominee? Sincerely, Martin. Martin... I am afraid that you have been exposed to uh, some conspiracy theorizing. In fact, uh, Bob the Sentient Trash Island has passed all of the tests to be considered a, a presidential candidate, and that is why he's nominated as the presidential candidate for the Democratic Party. He was created in American waters. He was planned to be launched into international waters as a libertarian tax haven uh, until the nano sentient nanobots were released into his superstructure. Uh, but it has been, uh, you know, he's been issued with a birth certificate. He's got all of the, all of the, he's ticked all the boxes. So I'm afraid that you have been reading too much Facebook, Martin. Can I also add, what is a more natural birth? than throwing trash into the water. <laughs> it's the most natural of all activities. He is as naturally born as the apple peel that is currently sitting on the center of my carpet. Look, I'm just saying, if you can believe in Jesus, you can believe in Bob, right? <laughs> 
and we, we can, can all, all do that. that. <laughs> That's all the time we have for the show today. Thank you for listening to The Last Post. We're here in your ears 366 days of this year and we'll be back tomorrow with all the latest news in this dimension. Uh, your guest today on the podcast was Mr. Matt Kirshen, Dr. Matt Kirshen, sorry, Professor Dr. Lord Matt Kirshen. Do you have anything to plug? Yeah, also I'm a priest now. <laughs> and yeah, I'd like to plug... Matt Kirshen on the various social media. I'd like to plug my podcast, Probably Science, on which Alice has featured more than once. And I'd also like to plug Wings, the arms that stop a bird from dying on the ground like a <laughs> dumb human. Or one of those birds that only walks. Thank you and hello again. A big hello to our listeners in the other dimension. Remember, you too can subscribe to this podcast from your dimension and share it with your friends if you enjoy it. The Last Post is an Alice Fraser and Bugle Podcasts production. I am Alice Fraser. Find me online at, at alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E or commit to the full Alice Fraser experience by signing up on patreon.com slash Alice Fraser for a behind-the-scenes look at my glamorous life. The executive producer of this podcast is Christopher D. Skinner. His adoring and bedazzled subordinate producer is Ped Hunter. As we always say, good luck to you, Christopher, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. (laughs) 